0: Hey, I want to talk about creating a culture of love. So I'm going to start with praying and then we'll jump right in. All right? Okay, Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your presence here and we just ask that you would open all of our hearts to receive the good gifts that you have for us tonight. And Lord, we just bless me to speak clearly um, and just to communicate your heart and your love and that, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would just interrupt me at any moment that you want to and that you would speak a word that's in season. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, it's up there, but then it's weird over here. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for Jesse. So, uh, for those of you that don't know our family, um, we came, or don't follow us on social media, which is totally okay. We came back from vacation, what, has it been a week and a half? And you guys, vacation was amazing, but re-entry was hard. Have y'all ever experienced that? So um, we stayed with friends in Florida, and it was beautiful, and honestly, it was, like, really great. But we had to come back home and re-establish our family's culture when we came back home. So, um, for example, we don't bite. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody got bit on the trip. And somebody got bit when we got home, the same person. I'm like, I don't know why she always is the one to get bit. But anyways, um, so I was thinking about this and just thinking about, also I, I was reading in the Passion Translation and just thinking about our culture at Kingdom Life. And we talk about a ton of different things, but the most important thing here that we want to be known for is love. Like we talk about um, prophesying and praying for the sick and, and doing things, for the kingdom, but we do all of those things because we want people to feel loved. Like we want people to know is love. And I think there's no greater gift to us to hear of, I met with this person or I spent time with this person and I felt so loved. And I had a meeting this week and that happened and um, someone was just sharing with me, the way that someone else in the church reached out to them, and how loved they felt. And those that's amazing, like when you hear that. So I left the meeting, and I texted them, and I said, thank you for what you did in that situation. And so um, we're just going to talk about love tonight. So last night we were eating dinner, and <laughs> sorry. Okay, I don't know if anybody else's kids do this, and I'm believing it's a stage, I'm declaring it's a stage, that... If a drop of water gets on our kids' clothes, they're naked. I mean, just (laughs) everything comes off. And in fact, when we were on our way to Florida, we stopped at Chick-fil-A to eat. And there was another couple there that had identical twin three-year-old boys. And so I'm talking to this couple, and because that's just what happens when you have twins, everybody else has twins, and you talk about having twins. And all of a sudden, the dad goes, uh, uh, she doesn't have any clothes on. (laughs) And I, I, looked, I look over, and there's Charlie in tennis shoes and her underwear. And she's like, my dress is wet. And they were like, our kids like, have to have clothes on all the time. And I was like, well... And their boys were like so calm the whole time. And my child's like naked. Oh, and Autumn actually gets even more interesting. So I take Autumn and Charlie to the bathroom. And the poor mom's trying to go to the restroom in the stall. And Autumn looks under the stall. And I'm like, wow, wow, this is the Mars. And like their boys were just like so mellow. And I was like, OK. Well, anyway, so um, so last night at dinner, I don't even know what happened. But like the kids are clean. They're eating dinner. Somehow, like, Autumn gets water on her pajamas. So she's like, well, I have to change my pajamas or whatever. And so I told her, I said, Autumn, finish your dinner, and then we'll talk about it. And I forget that I even said that. And so I go into the kitchen, I'm putting away dishes and stuff. And we don't have open concept, but I can hear them in the dining room. And I hear Autumn say to Chuck, can we talk about something? (laughs) (laughs) She says, "Um, can we? And I wear different pajamas or whatever? But that's an example like in our family because we're going to talk tonight about like we want to be people that respond and don't react. So 99.9% of the time when water gets on the twins' clothes, they react. It's like either they're taking it off or they're screaming or it's like it's a huge deal. But we're training them how to respond, can we talk about something? Like, yes, we can talk about it. <laughs> um, and I, t- Chuck reminded me of the how that's why she even said that, because you just kind of you're just surviving sometimes. If you want to turn to First John 4, it's going to be a pretty simple night as far as scriptures go. Thank you, Jesse. Okay, First John 4, and we're going to start in verse 11. Delightfully, and I'm in the Passion Translation, so if it's different, don't worry. I have the rest on the, on the screen, I think. But delightfully, loved ones, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor, but if we love God... God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him, and his love is brought to its full expression in us. How amazing is that? All right, and then now we're going to move over to 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll hang out there for a while. Okay, uh, starting in verse 4. It says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Perfect love. Love never stops loving. So good, right? We're done. No, I'm just kidding. So love, the first thing that we see here is that love is large and incredibly patient. We want to be a people who respond rather than react. We have the ability to make our love larger than people's choices. So when I choose to respond rather than react, I'm making my love bigger than what somebody around me did. I think, and maybe I'll share stories more tonight, but I think one of the places where I learned, uh, in YWAM, they say the definition of love is choosing the highest good. And I love that. And I think, you know, when I worked at the maternity home, there were so many opportunities where there's like an explosion in the kitchen, you know, a girl explodes, or there's literally like, I'm getting a text from a volunteer saying, girls are swinging at each other. in the great room, big pregnant bellies. And there, there was so many opportunities. And I, some I did great, and some I didn't, but to respond rather than to react. And I don't have my own teenagers yet, but I think they have even a greater ability to help you react rather than respond, maybe. I mean, when my kids are teenagers, they're just going to be perfect, so you know. No, and toddlers too, like. Like, Chuck and I have just really been working on that, like taking a deep breath, and we're going to respond rather than react to this. Put your dress back on, please. (laughs) Do you want to put your dress on, or do you want me to put your dress on? (laughs) And unconditional love says, no matter what you do, I'm going to pursue a connection with you. And what I'm not saying is that You don't need to have boundaries with people and you don't need to use wisdom and that you just need to let people do whatever they want. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that there can be a belief in us that says my love is bigger than your choices and my love is bigger than your decisions. And I'm actually reading Keep Your Love On, so it's so funny that they gave away that book tonight. I got it out the other day and was rereading it and he tells a story about, you know, if his son goes and he steps in dog poop he's like, I'm not going to let him come into my house. He's like, so I'm going to say, like, you can either, you can either scrape your shoe off or you can take your shoe off and, but you're not coming into the house like that. And so he said the son would be like, why dad? And he's like, love you, bud. (laughs) You can totally hear Danny saying. So it's not saying that you're letting people always letting people into your world that are making bad choices, but it's saying, like, I can continue to love you no matter what you do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Love makes us powerful and not victims to other people's poor choices. Everybody just take a deep breath. Because that's, like, freeing, right? Like, that we don't have to be a victim to somebody else's choices. All right. This is a good one. Love refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Here's the thing. I think jealousy is just the fruit of a poverty mindset. If you find yourself consistently jealous, you're believing the lie that there isn't enough for you. Jealous is feeling or showing envy of someone or their achievements or advantages. And I'm, so one of, when I went to, my DTS outreach was actually in Fiji, which everyone thinks like, oh my gosh, you went to Fiji. And I did spend like six months on an island, which was strategic, Hawaii, Fiji, and Jamaica. But anyway, Fiji was actually hard, which is probably hard to believe. but Because um, when we got there, the, there was a guy that was supposed to like set up an itinerary for us. And he hadn't planned anything for the first two weeks. So, like, the worst kind of mission trip is to have nothing to do. So, in the mornings, we would, like, sit around, and we would, we would sit there, and we would pray. Like, what are we supposed to do today? And, like, four of us were like, well, I think, you know, we'll go to town, and we'll, like, pray for people. And then, like, the other eight people on the team were like, I just think maybe we're just supposed to, like, stay home and, like, do our laundry and, like... But what was happening is that's a spirit in the region and people were tapping into that spirit of laziness and of not wanting to work and not being motivated and so therefore like we weren't moving forward as a team but what they taught us in ywam is that you when you feel that you learn how to move in the opposite spirit so everybody's going to like experience jealousy at some point And if and when you do, this is my suggestion. I think that love celebrates other people's victories. If you're struggling with jealousy, start to consciously and verbally celebrate others. Celebrating others' victories breaks off the power of jealousy in your life. Because here is great news. Just because somebody else succeeds doesn't mean that you won't. Just because somebody else gets something doesn't mean you never will. Like, we serve the God of abundance. So in an abundance mindset, we can get free from jealousy. And when you see somebody get something that you want, you have permission to get excited for them. I had a definition uh, celebrate is to honor or praise publicly. Like, what does that look like in our lives? And, and I guarantee you, like, jealousy is not going to have a foothold if you start to practice this. And when you face those situations that you start to just celebrate that person, I'm so happy for you. You had a promotion? I'm going to throw you a party. Like, when we do that, we're walking in abundance. And it really does set us up to receive promotion. And that's not why you do it, but it does set you up to receive the blessing. I love this one. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. And I this isn't like I looked it up, but I was just thinking about traffic. And when you think about traffic, it's that you like you're you're tarrying somewhere or you're getting stuck. So we're all going to have moments where like maybe we do something or we say something or somebody says something to us and boom, shame is there. But what this is saying is We don't get stuck there. Like when shame comes, what that means, you don't give it room. It means you find the face of God so that shame loses its authority. Because the Bible says that those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. So when shame comes, boom, it's there. All we have to do is say, God, where are you? Because this is not you. This is not my true identity. Um, you know, and even disrespect, like that's, that's such a, can be such a cultural thing. And even in our home, like we're trying to teach the girls, like Charlie will do something. And I'm like, oh no, that like wasn't, that wasn't respectful of mommy. So I'm going to give you some time in your room until you can work through whatever that is. But that's, that's learning a culture of, I'm going to respect you because you're made in God's image. So you're worthy of respect simply because you're made in his image. Um, And disrespect is just low regard for someone or something. And if we're starting to feel that, then we've just, like, lost sight of God's heart for that person. All right. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. And neither are any of us, right? Okay, moving on. Um. And this is my suggestion for when you're feeling this, just irritation and offense. When you're struggling with these things, ask the Lord for a word concerning the person or the situation. When we feel irritated or offended, we just need heaven's perspective. And I think... Sometimes in relationship, when we feel irritation and we feel offense, our natural human reaction can be to push that person away. But oftentimes, it's a time to really press in. And to press through that awkwardness and to press into, why is this bothering me? And usually, that's because I need healing and you might need a little healing. And God is doing a beautiful process of bringing us into a more whole place. Y'all doing good? (laughs) All right. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. In love, we don't have to fear the truth. Here's the thing. When we're living in love, we are full and we're not lacking anything. So what that means is another person can't take that from me. When we're full and living in love, we don't have to be afraid of the truth. Because another person cannot take from or add to my identity that I've received through Christ. And I was, I think I was, I posted it on my Instagram, but I saw this teaching that Christine Kane was doing the other day that was so good. And she shared about the first time that she preached in her Bible school, and she she preached this message and she said it was visible. You could see that God was moving on people and there was, God was doing something in the room. And one of her instructors didn't believe that women should preach. And so he got up afterwards and basically just like shamed her in front of everyone. And it was just like, he goes, that was terrible and you should never do that again. Christine Kane. So it did, for a few years, it really did, like, push her down. But, like, what if she had stayed stuck in that place? Christine Kane is one of the most powerful women communicators in the body of Christ today. And she can, if if you watch her, she can, she has favor in multiple different streams and denominations. And um, so the areas that God is doing that in your life, it's because you have a powerful call to impact those areas. She had to tuck in to the Lord and figure out why is this happening and learn the truth of who does Christ say she is, even when someone who should have been encouraging her was pushing her down. And if she hadn't done that, a lot of us wouldn't have ever received from her ministry. All right. Love is a safe place, for it never stops believing the truth about others. And I don't know how many of you were here last week, but um, Chuck had Anne Marie pray for us. I think it was kind of about like loving people, right? And I loved it because um, she prayed that we would operate out of our true identity. I don't know how many of y'all heard that. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh my goodness, like yes, love is our true identity. We were made in the image of God and God is love. So my true identity is love. So that needs to be a core belief. And here's the thing. We are created to walk, to talk, to eat. But we also have to learn how to walk, to talk, to eat. So like Kelly's been sharing, it's also about creating these new neuropathways. Because a lot of us have learned poor patterns and behaviors from our upbringing, or the world, or cultures, or media, and lies, and deception. But the truth is, we're made in his image. We're created to be loved and to be loved. So with this one, I, I think my challenge is to ask, like, what is it that makes people feel like a safe place to me? And I was thinking about this one today, and I didn't even tell her I was going to share this, but I was actually thinking about Nikki Reedy, and maybe Erica and I have talked about this, or, or Chuck and I, but, like, Nikki, I've never heard Nikki share somebody else's information. Like, she is so loyal and such a safe place that I feel like I can trust her. And it's, like, convicted me to take that to other levels, like, I want to be a safe place, and I don't want to ever share other people's information, which is great to hear since I'm your pastor. Um, but I truly do, and I think seeing, like, Nikki model that even was, like, as a friend makes me want to be that to other people. So, like, what if people showed you that, was this, that made you feel safe? And we need to start pursuing that. Does that make sense? says, um, I'm just going to read y'all some scripture from Romans 6 about this being our, our identity. It says, sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you. We're in Romans 6, verse 12. Controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then, refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not conquered, you're not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. And I'm not going into that teaching about who we are but that's just scriptural evidence that that Christ has done in us this the finished work so that we can be love we have to train ourselves in some ways how to operate and for all of us there's different things on this that some of us are like I'm awesome at that like Nikki's really good at being a safe place she doesn't need to work on that But for all of us, there's areas in this that we get to choose and say, I'm going to work on that. Because I want to be known for my love. All right. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Hard doesn't mean wrong. When your life feels hard, doesn't mean it's wrong. Hard doesn't mean you made the wrong choice. Hard means it's time to press in and press on. And I think so often, whether it's millennial culture or the charismatic church or, or I don't know, you name it. Like some, somewhere along the way in our brain, we start to think because something's getting hard, it's not necessarily right. But this is saying that love doesn't give up. Like sometimes the body of Christ just needs to be known for that. Like sticking it through and sticking to the commitments that we make. What whatever that looks like. I um, had a meeting this week and and learned that that Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. Because of persecution. Like We can learn something when we look away from Western culture. Like, he is the treasure in the field. Like, it's not worth giving up when we really know his worth, when we really know his value. And this is love. It doesn't take failure as defeat. Failure is not your identity. And I'm not saying that you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But I am saying that you need to tuck yourself in and hold on for the ride. When hardship comes, that means to press in and to hear his voice and to get his direction and to get his grace. And you will know him in a way that you never would have known. In the pain and in the hard places, I have learned a side of God that I never knew before. And if we can learn how to, to actually encounter God in our pain, how to say like, God, I don't know what all this is, but this hurts. And there's nothing, nothing like when he comes in and ministers to that place. Nobody in this room can tell me something as valuable as when I invite Jesus into my pain and let him speak. And that is how you don't give up. When you feel hard, when you feel pain, you say, Jesus, you don't deny it like I tried to do. You don't say, like, I don't feel this, or I'm tough, or I'm okay, or totally disconnect from your emotions. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I feel pain, I feel hard, Jesus come. And, it, and when you do that, and when Jesus comes into the pain, and he speaks a word, you walk out different. And you are victorious no matter what did or didn't change in your circumstance and your finances whatever it may be when he comes into your pain and speaks a word you've already won battle over I think I, I have friends that um, I got to Skype with her the other day but they they're missionaries and they got kicked out of the nation that they love you know and Guys, I mean, they have, like, sometimes I just think, we have no idea. They have three kids, and they're having another baby, and it all all happened so quickly that they actually had to leave everything. So they have a six-year-old who doesn't have his toys. He doesn't have his clothes. I mean, nothing, nothing familiar. And they're back in the States and, and traveling around, and I just think sometimes I'm like, do we even get it? Like, come on, church. And for them, they're, they're grieving. You know what they're grieving? They're not grieving their stuff. Who cares? They're grieving because they want to be in this crazy nation. And they want to be telling these people about Jesus. That's love. And they're having to walk a six-year-old through a grief process because he was uprooted from the only home he ever knew. And it was literally a get a grocery bag, get your stuff, we gotta go kind of deal. Can you imagine doing that with your babies? And what are we inconvenienced by? Yeah, the internet's down. (laughs) So hard doesn't mean wrong, and love does not take failure as defeat. I was listening to a podcast this week with Louis Giglio talking about um, when he planted the church in Atlanta, and he was, tell- he was talking about how he was meeting with Andy Stanley, and he was like, well, I'm 50 years old, and I want to plant a church. And Andy was like, you sure? And Louie was like, you know, our church is going to be different. This is going to be a different church. <laughs> It'll be different. And so Andy said, okay. He said, when you, when you want to quit, I need a face-to-face meeting with you. So I don't know how many years into the situation they got, and, and he shoots Andy a text, and he said, I'm quitting. And Andy said, I'm out of town. You have to wait until tomorrow when I'm back. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, we, we get a vision. We get a word from the Lord. We get a dream. And then we're in the thick of the night of that dream, and we want to quit. But it's the very dream that we used to cry out to God for. Because hard doesn't mean wrong. The fulfillment of your dreams is going to inconvenience you. It is not all bliss. Pursuing the kingdom is going to disappoint you at times. But love doesn't give up. So when we hit those points of disappointment, of pain, I'm not saying to go, it's not there, I'm good. Got the Holy Spirit, I'm good. No, it's saying, love, can you come into this? Because planting this church is hard. Because adopting this baby is hard. You name it, whatever it is. But following your call is hard. And so, love, I need you to enter into this. Y'all good with that? When we give up, I believe that we never walk in the fullness of all God has for us and wants to do through us. All right, and I'm kind of landing the plane. (laughs) I was thinking about this today. Um, Kelly, you're always trying to like shorten it. And I'm like, I'm pretty to the point. When I was a kid, my mom homeschooled me for a little while. And when I would write, she's like, do you think you could, like, elaborate a little bit more? <laughs> I'm basically like, this is it. They said at the dinner table when I was growing up, like, my siblings are a lot older than me. They're, like, almost all in their 40s except me, and I will, like, definitely use that against them. Um But I was so much younger than them and we'd sit there at the dinner table and my mom said I would just be quiet and just watch everything, big eyes. And then I would just bottom line the whole thing. And I'm like, yep, that's my personality. So, okay, so love never stops loving. And I think I kind of hit on this even with hard doesn't mean wrong. But we are called to keep our love on. So what situation is the Lord speaking to you about tonight what person have you received an invitation to keep your love on for (laughs) you are empowered to love because love is living inside of you so this is what I want us to be known for at kingdom life We are, I guess I could have said large, but none of us women want to be known for that, huh? (laughs) Love is large and incredibly patient. So, love is incredibly patient. We at Kingdom Life are gentle. We're consistently kind to all. We joyfully celebrate honesty. We find no delight in what is wrong. We are a safe place, and we never stop believing the best. We are, not, we are not jealous, bragging, trafficking in shame and disrespect, selfishly seeking our own, easily irritated, quick to take offense, or taking failure as defeat. We are not giving up, and we are not stopping loving. May we be a people known for responding rather than reacting to the world around us. And what they say about kingdom life, man, those people know how to love. They're not perfect. Sometimes their worship's too loud. Sometimes it's hot in their sanctuary. Sometimes I have to wear sunglasses during the message. (laughs) Whatever it is, but you know what? At the end of the day, who cares? What we want to know or what we want to be known for is that we have loved and that we have loved well. Because on our best days, who do we control? Only ourselves, on our best days. (laughs) I have uh, Kelly's picture of Jesus breaking out of the. Yes. All right, well, you guys stand up, and I'm going to pray for you. There's love. I'll just put it up there. Boom. It is cool all right so yeah if you just feel like you want to receive an upgrade in love tonight I just want you to hold your hands out and I I do feel like there is a grace for impartation and also that there's not shame for the areas that maybe you're like oh my gosh this is there's not shame because love doesn't traffic in shame So we're not operating in shame. For all of us, there's areas where we have to recreate neuropathways. Because maybe we grew up loving like this, or we grew up like that, or we've learned things along the way. But Holy Spirit, (laughs) we just thank you. We thank you that you are love. And we just invite you love to come. We invite you love to come into our relationships to come into our hearts, to heal the pain, to heal the areas that feel broken inside of us. We invite love into those areas. Yeah, and Holy Spirit, we just invite you that as you are love within us, that you would show us how to love the world around us. And Lord, that we would just begin to to learn the process of learning how to respond to people rather than react. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that we love because you first loved us. So Lord, we just love you in return. And God, we thank you even as it said in 1 John, that as we love people around us, that your spirit comes and dwells in us in a tangible way. And there's no greater thing than to have your spirit dwelling in us. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. And just, like, as, as ministry team comes, I just also felt to say, um, if you feel like you need an encounter with love, I just want to invite you, as ministry comes up, to come and to ask them to pray over you to encounter love.